0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Welcome to the Sixer Cents Podcast, hosted by co site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey, everybody, welcome back
0: to our podcast. I'm Lucas. I got Chris and Uriah here. We're recording on a Monday night instead of a Sunday. A little weird for us, but that's okay. So, guys, how was your weekend? It was pretty
2: good how about y'all?
1: I made the bomb beef barley guys. If you guys want some home cooked, excellent, great tasting beef barley, I'm the man for the kitchen job. Are you the man? Are you the man for the kitchen job? Well, that's the only thing I can make. Otherwise I'm making pancakes and eggs. <laughs> so, but I do you know, love I love me some beef barley, man.
0: Okay, okay. Hey, no judgment here. I mean, I'm a little bit uh, I got uh, got a little bit more of a repertoire there, but hey, no judgment. Everybody has their own little thing.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, Spaghettios, man! I, I know what you like to do hey, over there. Like.
0: Hey, you know what? I have a two-year-old daughter, <laughs> so you might be bashing Spaghettios, but they get the job done sometimes. Okay, Look, right. but, I mean, fair enough.
1: But anyway, I let's. Let, we're we're here to. The, we're not here to talk about food. No, we're wait, here to talk wait, about, wait. What? Chris was saying? something. he he made well, he made gourmet I, I salmon a tonight. Meat
2: bowl of ramen. No, I didn't make the salmon. <laughs> You know, uh. Uh-huh. can ramen. Well, you're, I college. Can make ramen. I can well, you're a college in kid. A fan and turn up the heat. <laughs> you 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 are a college kid, so
0: you are forgiven from any lack of cooking skills right now. You okay. got to gotta do what you got to do to survive in college, for sure. I agree. Anyway, we're not here to talk about food. We're here to talk about the Sixers. And we're just going to jump into the last two games that we didn't get to talk about. So we're just going to jump into that. And I, I'm actually going to take it away here with the OKC game. So, Chris, let me ask you.
2: What did you think of the guard play, the starting guard play for the Sixers in this game? You know, I thought it was pretty good. Obviously, Seth has had a pretty remarkable start to the season. Uh, He had 28 in this game, seven attempts from deep, hit, I believe, his first four attempts, um, had 23, 28 in the first quarter, right? 23. Yeah.
0: 23 in
2: the first quarter. So uh, about as good as you're going to get from Seth. He's carrying over a lot of that momentum from the atlanta series which is all you know that's what we all hoped he would do not really anything to complain about with him maxi a bit a bit more up and down not the most efficient game from him only shot 30 percent from the field 14 points on 13 shots he did get to the charity stripe seven times though that's a pretty big positive that's something i would like to see more of um you know the maxi as the only point guard on the roster experiment has been a bit of a bumpy road so far as we all expected um the Sixers offense has been somewhat helped by some really hot three-point shooting um that, but that's going to cool down at some point I know we posted an article today from I believe Casey They pointed out that they're like last in the league in pace some of the indicators are not that great but maxi has been pretty good relative to expectations I think this is a pretty big role for him and obviously Curry's been fantastic and this game was a pretty good example of that
0: maxi getting to the foul line a lot is a really big encouragement even though he had a hard match he had a hard matchup he was playing it you know either lou dort or shea Gilgis alexander were covering him. both bigger players both above average defenders lou dort is basically a brick wall on defense like it's really hard to get around him ask ask cork i mean gosh that was a horrendous thing but we'll get into that later um so I mean, Maxie just had a tough outing. Not a good matchup for him. He's 6-1. He's playing against guards that are like 6-4 to 6-6. So that's not really a good matchup. Curry, like you said, Chris, went 6 of 7 in the first quarter from three-point line. He was fire. It was it was like watching his brother in some ways. He was hitting it off of spot-ups, uh dribble handoffs. He was doing a little bit of everything. It was it was nice. And the other thing that we got to talk about here, Chris, is that Curry is not just a three-point shooter anymore. He's a three-level scorer. We saw in the playoffs last year, we're seeing it early in this season, to where if he gets closed out hard on, he can take a dribble, a dribble or two inside for the mid-ranger. Or he's getting to the basket at a pretty decent rate so far this regular season and converting. I like it. I like it a lot. And I wrote an article today about it. I think... Curry could see a career year, 18 to 20 points. I think it's not impossible. I mean, the shooting's going to cool off a little bit. He's shooting 76.5% from three right now. That's not going to maintain, but he could be the league leaguer in percentage from three. If he stays healthy, he might have a stronger all star case than Tobias Harris because this league loves three point shooting. And what would be better? What would be better than having both Currys in the all star game?
1: So I was going to ask you guys. I thought about both of you when he was on fire the other night, and in the Brooklyn game. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that he might be better than Tobias Harris?
0: It, you know, honestly, it's early to tell, and Tobias impacts the game so many different ways. I mean, we could we'll talk about Tobias here in a minute, but like the gravity on offense that Curry brings with his shooting cannot be understated and if he's doing this if he's taking 10 three-pointers a game and even if he only hits half of them or like you know four out of 10 the type of gravity that brings to the sixers offense like let's just say he he hits four out of 10 instead of seven out of 10 that's still what is that um minus nine so that's 19 points he still has 19 points that game on 40 percent shooting from three that's a win for the Sixers and I in terms of better overall player, I mean Tobias impacts the game more. He's more of a two way player, but in terms of importance to the offense, Curry can definitely be the number two most important player on offense for the Sixers this season, I have
2: no doubt. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm ready to say he's better than Tobias. I, I like the shooting is gonna come down at some point. It's just, as Lucas said, he's not going to shoot 75% from three all year. But, like, Tobias is less of a liability on defense. I think Mm -hmm. that's a factor here. Like, Curry's a a pretty big weakness, and that Mm -hmm. limits him to a certain degree. But Tobias is certainly not, like, an elite defender, nor even, like, an above-average one necessarily. And offensively, when Curry is playing this aggressively and hitting these kinds of shots, then he probably is a more impactful player than Tobias on a lot of nights. Like I certainly think it's possible. We've all talked about the athletic having him over Tobias. That's just one guy. It's certainly not where I'm at, but I I think this is a conversation if Curry can keep it up. I I don't think we're quite there yet. Like give it a couple of months. If we're in a similar place in two months, then yeah, we can, we can talk about it, but Curry's been great. I, I think there's a lot of positives there. Um, so yeah, really good do you th-
0: stuff. Do 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 you think this is Doc Rivers un- unleashing him or allowing him to play with the freedom that he had in college in, let's say the G League for example cuz I've seen him do this in the G League. Like this is not surprising to me cuz I remember I mean back
2: in like Mario 2013 stay, yeah.
0: 14 when he was on the Erie Bayhawks and he lit up the then 80- 87ers. Like yeah. This is this has always been a he's always been able to do something like this. It's just I think having the freedom and the offense to do it and having the backing of the head coach is a big part of this. Well, how
1: about how about the the idea that he had to play alongside C.J. McCollum, Damian Lillard in Portland, and then he had to play next to Luca, who's so ball dominant. So maybe it's just him being with Joel, a big man, including Doc Rivers, trusting him more.
0: And I mean, you look at it in that second round of the playoffs he was clearly this, I mean, Ben Simmons shrunk. We, we, we don't need to really revisit that, but with Ben Simmons shrinking, Curry really grew in that role. So maybe, maybe give him more opportunity. Like you said, you maybe he can capitalize on it and we just haven't seen it because, you know, he's been playing against with ball dominant guards.
2: Yeah. I think Ben not being there is part of it. I think, like we've seen it with JJ we've seen it with Marco we've seen it with Shamit. like playing next to Joel helps if you're in a really good off ball shooter like that's mm-hmm. part of it that's a role that's been elevated in Philadelphia more than most offenses like that's certainly and that's not even a Doc Rivers thing mm-hmm. i think that's really more of an Embiid thing cuz that was yeah. the same case under Brett Brown
0: that's that's um, fair and speaking of Embiid let's just go ahead and talk about the front court players chris what were your impressions from the three front court starters tonight
2: not tonight, last night. Yeah, I mean, look, Joel is Joel. He's been really good to start the season, not maybe putting up quite the scoring numbers that we saw last year. Part of that's been like minute limitations in the Brooklyn game, which we can talk about. But six assists in this one, he's been doing a lot more as a passer and a playmaker, initiating offense, looking for guys out of the post. That's always been like the big next step if he's going to go from top 10 player to top three player, that it's going to happen there. So I think that's a really good uh, step from him, a really positive sign. I hope it continues. He's looked just ridiculous on defense so far this season. If he keeps playing like this and Ben is not playing, he's going to be in the defensive player of the year conversation, I would bet, assuming he plays enough games. So a lot of positives from him on that side of the ball. Had three steals, or pardon me, three blocks and a steal. Um, Tobias, you know, it was, it's a fine Tobias game, nothing too special, nothing too bad. Um, Danny finally kind of broke out a little bit after a couple of rough games to start the season. Uh, I know we were sort of putting our hand over the panic button last podcast. So hopefully this, uh, can let us, uh, cool off a bit, hit three or five from deep, had eight rebounds, had a block, did his thing defensively. I I think Danny's going to be fine. Um, So I I think positives overall. Talking about Joel, Chris, you talked about this is the next evolution in his
0: game. If he can stay consistent, keep his turnovers down, because he had zero turnovers in this game, and he's only been averaging, what, less than two per game so far this season? I want to say something like that. If he can maintain this, Chris, assuming that his scoring numbers will eventually go up, Um, Because I I think they will. And same thing with his rebounding numbers. We know how dominant Joel Embiid can be. I know you've been a little bit of pessimistic when it comes to this conversation. But can you finally say that his passing is never going to be as good as Jokic's? But it's close. It's getting there. If this maintains over a couple more months... Will you be ready to concede that Joel is the best big man in the NBA, Chris? Will you finally be able to do it and say he's better than Jokic by far? Uh, the passing's no, there. The it, he's yeah. already he's already better defensively, just as good as offensively, except for the
2: passing. The passing is getting there, Chris. So, are you ready think to think say? He'll ever, it? I don't think it'll ever be by far. You know, I mean they're they're close now. They've always they're close. Um, Does this push him over the edge for you, Chris? Because I know you had Jokic before. It, I mean, not, I, if I made the list right now, no, it's only been three games, but like they've always been close. It's Mm. certainly a conversation. If Joel keeps it up, it will continue to be a conversation. Um, Like, I'm I'm going to ask you this in December. Like, a little bit better. Jokic is one of the best. Playmakers we've ever seen on planet Earth in the history of humans. Like okay. Jokic is fair, fair. gifted and intelligent in a way that Joel just never will be.
0: And that and that's fine. What what I'm saying is but. Joel's playmaking is catching up, and while it never yeah, will get it's, there, it's going to even it's it's going to it's, it's, gonna, it's evening order. out the playing. Is not is making that gap less severe than it was last year or two years ago.
2: Sure. Fair enough. Yeah, like again, Joel, obviously an elite defender. It's very close, they're neck and neck. I'm not, there's not some huge gap. It could be a conversation, it is a conversation right now, okay. but I don't, I'm not gonna like undersell Jokic, who has been, I, I'm, just I'm gonna as ask to you, I'm gonna season. revisit this in January. Just know that. Um, Jokic has been just as good to start the season, like Jokic, okay. The other
0: things, let me just hit on the other two front court players here, real quick, Tobias has been kind of cool from the three-point line, but the playmaking has gotten better. The four turnovers in this game was not fantastic. Five assists, rebounding. We can see now that Ben was eating up some of Tobias's rebounding numbers, um, and Harris is averaging, I think, around, what, like eight rebounds a game? Something like that. It's So Harris, I like it. Just needs to get better at the three-point line overall. If he had hit one, he would have had 17 instead of 14 points. Danny Green like you said kind of got out of his funk a little bit. I would like to see a little bit more consistency from Danny before I take my hand completely away from the from the panic button, but one good game is is a good start. Uh Chris, what do you think of the bench overall?
2: Uh you know, no drum in this game obviously. Paul Reed was you know, okay, pretty good for his 9 minutes. Um Nying continues to look like, probably the best player on the bench up there with Furcon. Like, it's, it's been those two so far this season. We'll <laughs> see if it stays that way. But Niang has been really impressive at just about every turn. He hits three of his four three-point attempts, 12 points on the night, uh, three dimes. So just another really strong all-around effort from him. Spent some time at the five without Drummond in the rotation. Did well there. Um, not the most explosive Furcon game that we've seen this season. But he continues to look pretty comfortable as the lead ball handler. This was, as you said, a bit of a tough matchup because he had Lou Dort guarding him. But literally ran into a brick wall twice. Yeah, and they, they were, were like, "Let's bring in Maxi." And that's,
0: and I mean, Lou Dort is literally one of the top ten defense perimeter defenders in the NBA. So I'm not upset with Moss having yeah. trouble in that matchup at all.
2: And look, staggering Maxi and and B should generally probably be how this goes. Like. Maxi, I've or Maxi and Harris because Harris can handle the ball too. Yeah, but even like if we want to talk about like spacing and stuff, Maxi, I've I've seen like tape from Rich Hoffman and stuff that he's posted. We like Maxi is not the greatest off ball player yet. He just doesn't always know where to go or what to do with himself, mm-hmm. and that is not always great next to Joel. We're kind of running into like the Ben Simmons dunker spot problem again. Well, okay, but only he's much less useful in the dunker spot than Ben is.
0: So he is an underrated rebounder, though I will say that.
2: Yeah, yeah, but that that doesn't really help the offense.
0: Oh, uh, well, I mean, three offensive rebounds in this game that does help in some regards. Um, but I mean, he's willing to shoot, and
2: that's the important difference here. I yes, I'm not saying it's has Ben, but like. Yeah. He's much worse than Ben, actually, right now. But um, look, Maxi, the second unit needs Maxi more than the starters do. I think it's fair to say. So, would you say that if when Shake Milton comes back, you put Shake into the starting five? No, I think you just stagger them and play Maxi thirty-five minutes a night, which is what he's been doing.
0: Well, I I mean, I'm just going to say this: Doris Burke of ESPN made it
2: sound like that Shake is going to start when he gets back. That's. Very possible. Wouldn't count it out. Doesn't make it the right move. Um, okay, but yeah, like guys, Shake Milton hasn't been good for a year and a half. I'm I'm pretty comfortable to say he just shouldn't be playing.
1: But hey, until until he whatever. comes back, until he comes back, I'm not really going to comment on Shake. But Isaiah Joe, he needs to step up his game because I tweeted out after he was hot in the preseason that he's the next coming of Clay Thompson. And he can't make me look bad. I made well, a very Because it's all record. about you. Right?
2: Because well, it's all
1: about you, right? Hey, look. He's got to get his act together because <laughs> otherwise I have to unpin that tweet. And I hate doing that. You know what I mean? Look,
2: no. I mean, technically, like Joel. Harder than me.
1: Doesn't so, Joel beat still have the same
0: tweet from when, when Calangelo left? So, I mean, you got to have the staying power like Joel does, Uriah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um,
1: and I know, Chris, he's on he's on the Joe train, too, so I don't feel as bad.
0: I mean, okay, yeah. so I'm going to say this about the bench, and there's one player you didn't bring up, Chris. Matisse Theibel looked out of control on offense. Like, defensively wasn't yeah, much better either, but, I mean, he still made the impacts, one steal, three blocks, but one of four on the floor offensively,
2: like, he just looked rushed. Like, he he looked – he didn't he, – you guys keep expecting him to have some like big breakthrough. It's just not gonna happen. He's not good enough. <laughs> Uriah is trying to change the subject, but he because he, he doesn't want to hear this. <laughs> Uriah Uriah brought up the Olympics all summer as to why he's gonna break out, right? Like historically players don't play as well after the Olympics because it's less time to rest and recover. Like playing in the Olympics is not necessarily good. For if you're looking like for a breakout season, just until like, so he
1: gets his rest. Uh, I,
2: I I will save. say this. I will say this, Uriah, in your defense,
0: he did have the best plus minus of the bench with plus eleven. Actually, right. the best plus
2: minus of ever any Sixer actually. So
0: he got that.
2: Going. He's a great defender, and he's yeah. a terrible offensive player. That's what he's always going to be. I I really think it's that simple. He could get better as a shooter over time. It's happened. It's possible. But he's just not going to be a great offensive player ever. It's it's just not going to happen. He doesn't I, to I to would thing argue. I,
1: I would argue. Hold on. I would argue that he's trying to figure out his role with these new players, a new point guard. This is a lot of transition in this roster. So once he gets his like figures out his role in this new system, he'll settle down. He'll he'll average like six seven points a game.
0: Well, I, I'll say is, and I, well I'll say this he looked like a bull in the China shop, which is good for defense, but not thing, good for offense. yeah the thing is and like that, that like he just can't slow himself down on the offensive end and I think that's the problem right now. if he could slow himself down like to play at a decent pace for offense because it looks like he's just rushing himself. but if he slows down, then I think it could come more naturally but his hand and his his hands and his mind are moving too fast for his own good on offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, there's probably something to the point guard thing. I, I think that's part of it for everyone. But, like at the same time, Matisse can't really play with Ben on offense because they're just not good enough spacing the floor, especially not when Joel's out there. So, if anything, he needs to, like, be looking better without Ben out there, and that's mm-hmm. not what's happening. So Yeah, um,
0: that's fair. But, Chris, how about we go ahead and talk about the Brooklyn game now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Brooklyn. There we go. Thank you. I was about to say Uriah.
1: <laughs> no, wait. No, let me. <laughs> now you gotta... Why can't I get it right? I have to label this. See, it says transition five and two. I'm so used to hitting the two. Let's try this again.
2: All right. What's transition four? Um, so. <laughs> or three. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery. Um, so, Brooklyn, a game that the Sixers should have won. Could have won, had every opportunity to win, but did not win uh, due to some very peculiar, peculiar things that were happening yes. in mm-hmm. multiple facets. Multiple people, I think, were responsible for that uh, last five minutes in which they scored one total point and gave up 16 total points to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, ending any game on a 16-to-1 run where you were the one and not the 16 is never good. That's how it went down for Philly. Brooklyn, obviously, has Kevin Durant and James Harden. It's it's hard to get too mad about that, but they had every chance to win. They should have won. Lucas, what stood out to you? Why did they not win? What went wrong? Well, they had, like you said, they had every opportunity to win. James
0: Harden only had 20 points on pretty bad efficiency overall, like, for him anyway. And, like, yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge kind of went off, which was kind of disappointing. Bad Joel and Andre, but... Like, everybody else, like, they were kept in check. Like, Brooklyn's, uh, I think they're 1-2 and two right now for a very good reason. Like, without Kyrie Irving, their defense will just does not hold up enough, and they can't score enough. Now, part of it's like James Harden not finding his groove, but, like, it just is bad. And, I mean, give Kevin Durant credit. He had a 29-point triple-double with five, 15 rebounds, 12 assists. But – joel just it was not his best game and like you said injury and like you know mean knee maintenance was part of that Maxi had a decent game but not great to be honest tobias had a good game and curry had a good game but neither one of i mean they didn't really even go to curry in the last five minutes right so it was really just tobias and joel and it just in maxi for some i don't know what happens with curry like That's the next, if he can close out games and he can keep his hot shooting for a whole entire game, then the league will be in trouble. But until that happens, we kind of just have to wait and see. But, like, I mean, that's that's my biggest thing. Like, they couldn't buy a bucket at the end. Joel was hampered with injury. Tobias, you know, unless he gets a mismatch, he's not really a go-to guy. And they weren't getting those mismatches that they like with him. Max, he just didn't have a great game. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great.
2: And, yeah, I mean, everything else kind of explains itself. Yeah, I mean, this is certainly Joel's worst game of the three so far. But, I mean, Philly, again, pretty much had the lead all game. Yeah. They they should have won. There was that big Seibel Duncan transition off the Tobias pass that put them up 10 with, like, five and a half minutes left. The crowd was behind them. They had all the momentum, and then they came out of that timeout and didn't make another field goal. Uh, Some of that was just, like, missing good looks. They generated some pretty good offense over that five-minute stretch and just (laughs) hit shots. I mean, at some point, we can talk about why Doc Rivers' teams continue to collapse late in games all the time. Uh, Not that this is precisely a Doc Rivers problem. It's Uh, also a Brett Brown problem. Maybe it's a Sixers roster problem. It's
0: a roster problem, Chris. They don't. Ha- they don't have anybody that can create their own offense off the dribble at a high rate. I mean, Maxi can get there eventually, but it's probably not going to happen this year. Curry can't do it consistently. Tobias can't do it consistently. Joel's six, seven foot has a knee injury, and like you know, he was clearly gassed in this game. And I mean, defensively, he was a monster. Tw- you know, two steals, four blocks. But I mean, like they need to get that guy that can close games, and they let him you know go to Miami. So, Lucas
1: Lucas yeah. mentioned, uh, God, who's the guy that that retired last year? And came back, um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah. So you brought him up earlier, mm-hmm. and I remember watching this game. I'm thinking, why don't they stick with him? Whoever's guarding him, why don't they? It's well and we Andre because
0: because it's penetration, and they're gonna help on the penetration.
1: And yeah, but to he be kept, fair, he, he kept getting wide open jumpers. And that's always been his strength for the past eight years is the mid range jumper. So why not just stay home with him? At because
0: least you don't want because Dur- you
2: yeah. don't want Durant or Harden to go off near the rim. That's part of the issue with having poor like perimeter defense is yeah. that guys get inside and they draw the big away from the basket and it causes problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, like. I I think there's clearly blame for the players here. I I think doc deserves a lot of blame. There's a difference between like the roster being an issue and then scoring one point in five minutes when you have Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris and like Maxine. Those are guys who can score more than one point in five minutes. Some of that's on them. Some of that's on doc. Like the challenges were just unacceptable. Whoever gives them the thumbs up on the bench or whatever needs to do his job better. Uh, but like Doc, Doc can see the tron. If if there's like a certain point where you have to just make an executive decision, you only have one challenge all game. It's the last couple minutes. These are big, crucial moments. Just use it. There's there's no reason not to. Frankly, um, mm-hmm. there's like no there's no real downside. I guess you lose a timeout or whatever. But you got to stop the bleeding. And those were very clearly like. Like the last two-minute report or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Basically said that both were wrong calls, so he would have won those challenges. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it it was just a very frustrating, very typical Sixers way to lose a game to a better team. Uh, Quote unquote. Well, are are the Nets really a better team without Kyrie right now? (laughs) Like, yeah, James Harden uh, looks awful. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, obviously, no reef for Brooklyn, no Ben for Philly right now. Are the Nets a better team? Because as we said, the Sixers played a much better game than Brooklyn. Should have won. We can keep, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But who are they? Is Brooklyn the clear like number one, number two in the East right now? Is Philly on their level? What's your opinion on that?
0: I mean, Kevin Durant's an MVP candidate. I'm sure James Harden will get into form at some point. But I think one thing we got to remember with James Harden is that he, there was a new rule put into place during the off season. And it was the rule that stated players cannot, you know, jump into the opposing defenders to draw fouls anymore. Yeah. I Yeah. And, and so, sorry, go ahead. You're right. Um, So that really impacts a guy like James Harden who lived in, you know, this rule was, primarily to stop guys like James Harden and Trey Young from getting ticky tack fouls and ruining the off you know the defense's ability to you know play defense. And so for Harden that's part of the issue. I mean he doesn't look like he's uh, in completely shape either. He he doesn't look like he's a hundred yeah, he's not moving hundred percent either. But outside of Harden and Durant, you look at the rest of this roster, Griffin looks like a shell of his former self. LaMarcus had one good game against the Sixers, but otherwise he hasn't looked good. Patty Mills is a bench player. We know this. He's a solid bench player. But guys like James Johnson, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, all are well past their primes. Javon Carter is a good defensive player, but he's not going to impact the offense. Um, And then Nick Claxton is just a still very – well, under – you know, very thin – but promising young, young center. But obviously he has his, there are certain matchups that he just does not do well in. And this was one of them. But um, if you compare that, that the rest of the supporting cast to the Sixers supporting cast, I, I would choose the Sixers supporting cast a lot more, you know, let's just say, for example, Joel and Tobias. No, they're not as good as, I mean, Durant and James Harden, clearly. But the rest of the supporting cast, I would say, for sure, is much better than the Nets. So without Kyrie, the Nets just can't score enough. And without Simmons, the Sixers have problems on defense, but offensively, they're they're fine.
2: Except for the last five minutes of game. I mean,
0: would Ben have really made a difference in that last five minutes, Chris? I guess what I'm saying is, in a vacuum, I mean, it depends. I mean, yes, Tobias is nowhere close to James Harden. But Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant are both top 10 players. Obviously, Durant's the top three, arguably number one. Joel's in the top 10. I don't know. I don't like the defense that this, this Nets ha- team has. And without Kyrie, that defense is very exposed because they're not scoring enough on offense. So I don't know, man. It's a tough call. I mean – with Ben Simmons, the Sixers are still probably just, you know, a second-round maybe Eastern Conference Finals team. Without Kyrie, I don't know if the Nets even get to the Eastern Conference
2: Finals. But with Kyrie, they get to the NBA Finals. Um. Yeah, look, I think it's Brooklyn still. Um. I, I think Harden's going to get better, like – you mentioned the foul. I don't think it's like the rule changes. I think it's more just he doesn't look as explosive. He's not getting to the rim as often. He's not finishing as well. I, I'm assuming he's going to look more explosive as the season goes on, and that as he hopefully gets healthier. Mm-hmm. But he does have a lot of miles on his. That's true. Wheels. So yeah, maybe he might just, just start. Where I mean,
0: what is he? Thirty three? Uh, something like that. So, yeah. So he he. I mean, he might be like one of those Jermaine O'Neal players that just kind of hit a wall, like, you know, legs-wise, and maybe he's starting to hit that wall a little bit.
2: Yeah, like, I, he's still going to be really good this year. Oh, yeah, of course. But we might be on the downswing. We'll have to wait and see, obviously. Clearly not having Tyree Hurts, especially if Harden is not at 100%, but they still, at the end of the day, do have Kevin Durant, who is basically a one-man offense in the last five minutes of games, which Philly does not have, um, even with Joel playing like he's playing. um like if I if you put these two teams in a seven game series right now, I'm probably picking Brooklyn. Um, like the Sixers' defense is not as great as it normally is because of Ben's absence, so that's not even the advantage it normally would be. Um, but let me ask yeah. you this:
0: If Ben was on this team on the Sixers and Kyrie wasn't, and they got into a seven game series, who would win?
2: I mean, obviously, like, if it was tomorrow and Harden still looks like he's looking now, I think it'd be a pretty interesting debate. If Harden is full-strength Harden, I think it's pretty easily Brooklyn. But Philly does have the talent to hang with anybody if they're playing well. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do, like, I don't want to keep banging the drum, but they are, like, at a coaching disadvantage in a lot of these high-stakes series. It's just a fact. It, it is what It's not that Doc is a bad coach. But he has a lot of bad coaching games, Um, and these a lot of bad moments as a coach. So I I would
1: agree with Chris in that the the Brooklyn would win easily. They would probably get swept if Ben, even if Ben Simmons played, just because they would hack a Ben every game, and Mm. we know where that will take us from Mm. experience. Ooh,
0: interesting thoughts here, guys. Interesting thoughts.
2: Yeah, like. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. That's generally where my my head is at. Um, you know, Philly is not Brooklyn or Philly is not Milwaukee. Like the Bucks can kind of hang with the team if it's just Durant and nobody else is helping him. I don't know if Philly's quite there yet. Like I think mm-hmm. just Durant and shooters probably beats Philly.
0: <laughs> okay, but
2: we'll see. Uh, well, let's go ahead and
0: switch gears now. And we're going to – you know, we talked about Ben a little bit in the last segment, we're going to talk about Ben more here. uh, So a little bit of context here. Ben Simmons on Friday before the game against the Nets came to Sixers management and the medical staff saying that he's mentally not ready to play. He then addressed the coaching staff and the players. First time he's really done that, stating, you know, where he is, you know, mentally and everything and saying that he needed time away from the team to get – back to where he feels like he can play like up to his standards um there seemed to be a lot of support we saw what george's niang you know just saying that it's private but we're supporting him after the you know after that meeting and then uh the big the big thing and this is what i wanted to talk about here guys with you prior to the start of the game against the nets Joel and b came out addressed the crowd you know thanking them for their support and Basically, he says something along the lines of it's been a crazy couple months and we, we appreciate you guys being here, but we also need you guys to support our brother, Ben. Um, what do we think about Joel's public pop- proclamation to the fans to support Ben, despite, you know, just the fact that a few days ago he was saying, I don't care about that guy. We're not babysitting him.
2: So what, what do we think about this, guys? Um. I mean I don't I don't have like a negative reaction to it. I'm sure you guys might um, I, I mean, obviously, the goal is to get him back into the on the team to reintegrate him, to have him on the floor playing games at a high level. If that is the goal, you have to treat him with some level of respect and get the fan base back behind him and make it comfortable for him to play and make it a somewhat amiable situation like if that's the goal then this is the kind of thing you have to say whether you believe it or not frankly I, I it seems like based on what we heard coming out of that meeting from various reporters that they do mean it that there was like some legitimate progress made that ben took responsibility for certain things and that like we're actually moving in a some in the right direction we'll see if that's like actually true for just being naive about things but it seems like this was a legitimately insightful meeting for all involved and that the two teams are somewhat two sides, I should say are like on the same page to a certain degree. So that's where I'm at. I, you know, they did have like extra security at the stadium because of what they thought might happen with the bin reaction. So clearly there was some concern on everyone's part about how fans would react to the Ben Simmons thing. Uh, so like, I'm fine with it. They had, uh, you're right. They had gates
1: around the gates. Okay. <laughs> and you're right,
2: anybody. before
0: before I chime in, I no. I am w- willing to let you talk because I'm I'm interested to see what you say.
1: I appreciate that. As, as much as I would love to dish out all this compassion from my perspective just based upon his posts throughout the entire summer, you know, to pull the mental Uh, like the mental issue card or having like some type of mental stress and strain. If it's just being afraid to shoot or nervous to shoot in front of a crowd, like that's one thing. And and if he's pulling that card, that's completely irresponsible. Um, And I don't have, I'm not the only one with this opinion. A lot of people who are on sports talk radio in Philadelphia feel this, feel that way. If he is having issues, I hope he gets help. I mean, he is human and I understand that, but based upon his behavior, posting pictures of his Lamborghinis, posting pictures with models, posting pictures in his pool every single day, to me, that isn't a sign of depression. That isn't a sign of uh, anxiety. I, I, like,
2: well, no, I, I, just, I, I can't just, say that. Okay, I, let, let him finish first. Cr- cr- Chris. I just want to say, like, how people deal with stress and like that manifests in different ways for different people. Yeah. He, he might he be. He Instagram. might be trying to put on a front to act like show that he's fine, but he's actually not. That could be I, true. I, yeah,
1: it could be yeah. true. I, I I concede that that is a possibility. I'm not saying that I'm absolutely right, but I just it's hard for me to wrap my head around someone who,
2: and we know factually behavior. that Ben has been going through a lot personally the past year at home with family. That he's still posting stuff on, like, like I I just don't think that's an indicator. I don't I don't think that can, mm-hmm. is fair at all, frankly. But, okay. All right. Like well, I, I just don't know there's... if we can like responsibly like mm-hmm. hide right or, because hide we or... don't we don't know what was said. I un- understand what you're saying. If if I had
1: more information like what he said to Joel and Tobias and all these guys, then I I would probably say, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'm I guess I'm not willing because I'm still ticked off at, at what happened last season and it's going to take me a while to get over it. But, hey, you know, to me, I I think he just wants to get his money. Okay, okay. okay. Well, let's
0: let's, –
2: and and, then – okay. okay, And also, like, give him the benefit of the doubt. Because I agree. If he is, for whatever reason, like, quote-unquote, faking it, that's super irresponsible and, like, a bad thing to do. But, like, I I just – we've been talking all summer about whether he's, like, prepared to face the Philly fans. Like, this is stuff we've been, frankly, like – talking about and theorizing about all summer and Mm -hmm. it seems like he needs time to build back his confidence and to get Mm -hmm. there and that that seems totally logical and reasonable and i i I, clearly joel and tobias and the team are all on the same page now so clearly it worked for them because joel changed his tune pretty quickly Mm -hmm. tobias we'll talk about tobias like like it seems like it moved them in the locker room so I, i i think he deserves the benefit of the doubt here
0: well let me let me chime in. So to val I'm not gonna say that your eye is right with this, but I will know I will I, I think it's important to note that in the CBA, if a player is dealing with mental health, the team can know cannot find them for missing games or practices etc. So that that is important to note. That being said, I am gonna side more with Chris on this in the fact that guys, after game seven, what did I said Ben need to do? Needed to do. What did I say he needed to do? I said that he needs to go see a, a sports psychologist. And that based off of these reports here, this is something that sounds like that's what he's going to do and that's what the team is offering to provide him based off of what we just, you know, this is based off uh, this is an assumption based off of the facts that we do have. So I think in that regard maybe it's it's maybe it's finally hitting with ben that he can't you know just mask it anymore and like chris said that maybe he's using all those posts to show that oh i'm actually really fine but deep down inside i'm not people do that people try to post pictures all the time saying that they're they're fine but they're actually like you know crying on the inside
2: or you know dying you know so i mean Again, like just bro, I really don't think we should even be speculating on that stuff even. Okay, okay, like,
0: fair enough, fair enough. But my point is is that I'm based off like Chris said, the reactions of Joel and Tobias and the fact that at least in my mind, you're right, you talked about Joel taking I mean Ben taking responsibility. This is him taking responsibility. This is the first step. Didn't you say if Ben took responsibility in some form or fashion you'd give him a you you'd reconsider your stance on him?
1: Yeah, I, okay then. I, okay, I just that's think last that, 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 week with the with the cell phone in the pocket or whatever was in the pocket. It wasn't the cell phone. Hold okay. on, At, it was a practice? Getting kicked and getting kicked out of practice. What what was all that for? He could have he could have called the mental illness thing back in August. And maybe maybe somebody may, may, maybe maybe well okay no he did he it. he, he had, him it. and his representation
0: did tell you know the Sixers front office mentally he cannot play for the team anymore that's what they said in August yeah He, he so told it's them. A kind of it's it's kind of irresponsible on the Sixers you know you know organization for not in
2: that he yeah. needed a fresh start, that yeah. he wasn't ready to come back to Philly, that he could, like, this is not the first time. Yeah, this
0: isn't the first this. time, and it was kind of irresponsible of, in, in a way, it was kind of irresponsible after, instead of trying to get him to come back then, they tried to oblige him by getting, trying to trade him, but then when they couldn't, they were like, oh, well, now we want you to come back. Oh, but, you know, we're going to just forget that you said that you're not mentally there until you address the team and every So that that's that's something on the Sixers' part that they did not handle correctly, in my opinion. But, like I said, we'll have to wait and see. So if he's faking this, he's taking a very big risk, which I don't think he will. I don't think he is. I think there is valid... I think we can all say that there, there is a mental struggle and for Ben. I think we've all said that in the past. And so I don't think... I don't know if he's doing it for the right reasons. He might be doing it for the money, but the fact is that there. I think we all can at least speculate that there is some type of mental block for Ben and him at least, you know, going to get help regardless if it's for the money or for him Act his actual self is a good first step. And the fact that he took accountability in that meeting is another great first step.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's an important part of it too. Like if, if he was faking it, that'd just be stooping to an extremely low level that I don't think even Clutch would like do that. Like that's I don't just... think Clutch would. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't. Ben, think... Ben, for all his flaws on the court, seems like a, a good person and like a reasonably aware of the world. And like like I I don't think anyone's saying Ben's a bad person. And that would be like a bad person thing to do. That, that I just don't think that's what Ben's is going. There, there are other ways to make the Sixers' life uncomfortable. Uh, I, I, I just think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt, uh, based on everything we've talked about and heard and seen, and what the players in the locker room said. Time will tell, but like for now, there, I, I think you just have to uh, believe him, and mm-hmm. you know, let, let him figure these things out on his own terms if he's. Mm-hmm does seem like the goal from both sides that has been reported is for him to play. And the report has been that Ben wants to play and then he just has to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. And you bring up the other players in the locker room and we'll just touch on this very quickly. Tobias basically echoed, you know, the support for Joel that Joel gave Ben on social media. We, you guys can look up the quote; it's on Tobias. Um, but guys, Whose idea do you think it it was for the players to step up and show support? Do you think it was a player-led thing, or do you think it was the front office slash coaching staff?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's like Tobias and Joel are the two leaders in that locker room, mm-hmm. especially Tobias. Both of them have now come out publicly and say, like, hey, let's support Ben, give him what he needs, give him space. Seems like the players are all on the same page on that front now. And, yeah, I mean, again, like, just to tie this back, like even from a leverage point of view in this holdout trade saga, this doesn't really give either side more leverage. There's not like an angle where you can say, oh, this is going to really help Ben get out. Like, like you can bring up the fines and we've already mentioned it. You can bring up like the monetary side of things, but that's that's not helping Ben force a trade. That's not help. That would again, if he's lying about this, just completely ruin his reputation as not a basketball player, but like a human being. So there's just really no angle that I can find to where we shouldn't give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, So that's where I'm at. Fair Fair enough.
1: I I had a vision, I guess, a couple of days ago before the Brooklyn game. I had a vision that, wow, what could take this whole story to another level of drama? And I just envisioned Ben Simmons. I'm not even being facetious. I just was like, wow, it'd be cool if Ben got out there before the game. After he's booed, everybody booed him, and he comes out before tip-off, gets the mic, and just basically unleashes all types of apologies and, and admissions, like, I'm going to be better, I'm going to do better. We know it didn't happen, but how dramatic would that be if he actually took the mic instead of Joel?
0: I mean, I mean, to be fair, he did it for his teammates. It's That's what it sounds like, at least. You mean based Privately? On- privately it says it sounds like he did it privately for his teammates i mean they you know it was reported that he took accountability and like the fact that his teammates got behind him you know that he would have had to apologize to them on some level lucas here's the
1: thing i I, it makes sense that he would garner uh, favor from his teammates if he's gonna have to impress anybody or get someone to change their mind it's gonna be the philly fan base so that's why i thought how dramatic it would be Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if he did that... And, and, would, and maybe would, one I day would, we'll get there. If he did do that, and if he does do that, like you said, maybe he'll get there. I would definitely, like, you know, I'd be like, man, that that took a lot of guts to get out there and and show humility. But I don't know if it'll happen.
0: I mean, like I said, we, it's, we're it's we not going to get there for a while. And showing humility with the coaching staff and teammates based off of their reactions and what we do know about the meeting is a very good first step, Uriah. Like, this, like... I don't think we'll – like, it's going to be very hard, and I don't think he'll do it in front of the fans, but I could see him doing something like that in terms of, like, taking accountability, like, pre- or post-game interview. Like, I could see that. Maybe a sit-down interview with – Taylor Rooks or Taylor Rooks or, or, somebody.
1: or yeah, somebody yeah. like that, Stephen yeah. A. Smith. Maybe I don't know. No, but... not Stephen A. I don't. I don't
0: Why do you not do... like Stephen A? No,
1: no, I, man, come man. On, I love Stephen A. I just think that he's not the type of interviewer that Ben would feel comfortable answering such questions. Chris, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, we can go back to the doc interview where like Stephen A clearly was just like lobbing softballs. So it depends. It, I don't yeah. know.
0: But, I mean, Stephen A. is definitely going to give players, like, you know, he'll tell it how it is, but he'll also, like, like I said, lo- lob you a couple passes, too. Like, r- like instead of, you know, like in kickball, when you, like, roll it to a little kid so that
2: they can actually kick it. Like, I Stephen A does that in interviews sometimes. Not yeah. a bad thing, but I mean. Like, look, First Take is, is an entertainment show. It's not journal- journalism. Mm-hmm. Like, end of the day, that's the fact. Um, I definitely do laugh a lot while watching it, that's for sure. Um, my 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 thing here is um, what was I going to say? Um, hmm, I I lost my train of thought. Shake a mountain should start. No, <laughs> oh, Poku man. should start. Poku should start. That is true. Um, <laughs> Starting yeah, my point look, guard. End of the day, I I think like obviously Philly fans are a different beast, and he, you have to like if you're going to reintegrate him into the, the team, he has to like be able to play at home and not ruin the entire mojo of the arena like that's all true and he will at some point have to reconcile with the fan base in some way shape or form if he's going to continue playing for the team but like getting the locker room in shape first and like taking accountability with teammates is at the end of the day much more important than anything that he does like publicly like that stuff as far as like cohesion and chemistry on the court and getting him like on the same page as joel again that stuff is all way more important than what like you're. i think yeah (laughs) um so i i I think that was like the big first step if he comes out and like makes a public apology or whatever cool i i think that would help a lot or i i don't know i I think that would be an, an interesting next step but i i think this was the what needed to happen first
0: yeah, I think this is definitely a good first step. And by the way, I forgot to say this and when we were talking about the OKC game, but that block that Joel had on Darius Baisley, oh my gosh. That was defensive play of the year in the NBA right there. I, I just don't know how you can do better than that. Because that was, he not only blocked it, but he blocked it with authority. That thing bounced high off the floor afterwards on a two-handed dunk attempt. Yeah.
2: Also, Josh Goody, Chris. I yeah, I was going to say, yeah. member of the uh, B-Ball Paul Fantasy team, Josh Giddy had a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, Josh favorite... Goody looks like he might be a steal at six, to be honest with you. Everyone's favorite tall point guard from Australia, Josh giddy, doing work. Great stuff from him. I'm excited. Man. Oh uh, gosh, that was a fun game to well, watch. Someone, someone who doesn't
1: have a, a lot of good things going on for him right now made some controversial comments about Giddy getting fouled. Oh, uh, you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about?
0: No, but uh, uh, what did uh, I miss?
1: Yeah, Alaa Abdul Nabi. When Simmons fouled Giddy on a play, he was, you know, he fell awkwardly like <laughs> Joel likes to do, and Alaa was basically. Like, oh, I don't care about the other guy. I, didn't, you know, I could care less about what happens to him. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I it's remember that. Yeah. That is
2: so clearly, like, a misstep. That, that, like, I, I don't think he's means, like, I don't care. Like, right. I, I, course, I think that so was taken out of context because he
0: was just, like, not to be rude or anything, but I don't care what happened to him. I'm worried right. about Joel. Like, I think – you. It was definitely taken out of context a yeah. little bit. Um, I was like such, such a good non-issue. guy, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be too worried about that if I was him. Yeah. I think that was just – I think people like to take things out of context for sure. Because it's uh, Philly.
1: Yeah, it's Philly, <laughs> Everybody right? in Philly's bad. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Mascots, we were... players, coaches, fans. All of them. Even yeah. announcers, announcers are getting yeah. it.
0: All right, I think it's time for our last uh, subject before we go, ah, We already – we already – Oh, with the Ramona better. stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah. League... yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, then right. I guess do we do we have any any general NBA thoughts? I just got to complain about the Cleveland starting three centers every game. Uh, no. Centers
2: no. is a bit of a
0: stretch. Okay, okay. Big men Four three big men: Lowry, Marketon, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. All playing like thirty plus minutes a night this is a little ridiculous. I don't know
2: what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think paying Mark it was generally a bad idea. Oh, yeah. You got him, you have to use him, I guess. Uh,
0: you just have him come off the bench. <laughs> like, just have him come off the bench. I,
2: I mean, I agree. Okoro should be starting, but... yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. You know. Cleveland's going to
0: be bad anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. <probably>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Mobley has the potential to be an all-star, though. I'm just gonna say that. I'm Mobley's glad that I, I'm glad that I drafted him
2: in yeah. my fantasy team. Well, I mean, Scotty Barnes putting up some big numbers. He missed the boat.
0: Uh, I think well, I'll Lucas, be okay. Lucas, how many wins do you have in fantasy yeah. F- basketball? Yeah, uh, basketball. I don't think that I don't think you we won. have the results. Uh, did I win? I think you no. Did. I don't think I won. because no. No, no, I forgot. I forgot to sub out my guys on Saturday. Oh.
1: You know who else? You know
2: who else didn't win? Chris. Oh God. Here we go. it. Mental <laughs> real estate. Hey, act, so like in act like you've been there. Act like that. The Slack channel is just. Oh, Chris is making trade requests again. You uh, made a trade request with both me and Matt
0: directly mm-hmm. after the draft.
1: I say so we, we give him Lucas. We give him a taste I, of his own medicine. Let's let's I hit him with five. Here. Let's hit him with five trade requests a day.
2: It is fear. I don't
0: He's have the. I don't have the energy to do that. Oh, right. but I'm playing Clayton this week. That's gonna. I think I'm gonna win that one. I think I'm gonna win that. Yeah, he doesn't Shout even to make his roster Dude.
1: moves. All right, let's he won play.
0: though last week anyway. But um, all right,
2: let's take it out, guys. Okay. All right. Well. This is both the end of the podcast and the end of Uriah's one week victory lap. Uh, To all our (laughs) listeners, as always, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Cents podcast. As always, please follow along, subscribe, leave us a review, give us five stars if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. Or you can follow along and listen at our website, thesixersense.com. We are on Twitter at Sixersense. We are on Facebook at the same address. Please engage with us that way as well. And until later this week, when I have righted the ship in fantasy, we'll talk to y'all then. Have a good one.